What the hell happened in East New York? This is a podcast that tries to answer that question. I'm Alexander Abnos. There are four parts to this, and this is part three. Now, in the last episode, we really met Kevin Heldman. And at the end, he claimed he, quote, wasn't in East New York. He was lying. It's been a few months since he met with Michael Shapiro, and in that time, Kevin has gotten caught in a cycle. He goes to East New York, he walks among the neighborhood, sees all the desolation, talks to people, then he returns and researches as much as he can. He wants to discover more about what he's seen. After untold times repeating this process, it's not clear whether it's helping Kevin search for clarity or making things in East New York more complicated than ever. You were out in East New York yesterday? Yeah, last night I went there. What'd you do? Um, I hadn't been there for, for a while. Um, you know, months ago I was there, like, I, I was there hours and hours. I spent a lot of time. When did you, did you begin to see that it wasn't like any other place? When I went there, and then I started going back and doing research. I never did research on it. I, I was spending, like, three, four days at a time at Columbia Library looking through archives and papers and Lexus and everything. I started seeing all this stuff. Okay. Um, a few years ago, there was uh, two school shootings in East New York in a high school. One shot a teacher, another kid shot like uh, two students or something. And one of the uh, defendants was actually convicted of a lesser charge, manslaughter, because the defense argued that growing up in East New York, it was such a convincingly dysfunctional, traumatic neighborhood that it was a legitimate defense. So he got a light sentence for, for murder. East what? New York's pr- crime rates are like I, I, indescribable compared to the rest. They're like 12,000 misdemeanors a year compared to normal places that have 1,000. 12,000 is a 5.6 square mile patch. They've said like, like 100 and, God, no, it's just like 164th, uh, sick amounts of people, like I think 300,000 people from 2000 to 2013. They, from East New York, they sent, arrested, I think 300,000 people. That's like staggering. It, it, they arrest 20,000 people a year, every year, annually. It averages out to 20,000 since, since like uh, 2000. Since 2000, they've been arresting 20,000 people a year. Do you know what that looks like? You look at all the other precincts I have, they're nowhere near that. I I spent like maybe, I don't know, a month or so doing nothing but research on East New York. And and, I mean, I know every, I've memorized every stamp street in East New York. I know where everything is. I read it, I was like, wow, this is, this is hellish, horrible. And when I go there and see it, it's actually more horrible in person. I mean, you get out of the subway, it's rust and concrete rubble, and the subway has, like, it looks like chemical debris all over the place, and there's entrances that are blocked off, and it's disgusting and, and horrible and industrial. You get off, and as soon as I got out of the turnstile, a re- a, not a panhandler, not like a, you know, 
typical panhandler or beggar you see in the city or scammer. This was a young teenage boy, regular dress, regular guy, and he asked me, hey, could you do me a favor and swipe me in with your card? I said, uh, I don't think I have enough, but let me fill I filled up a credit card and I swiped him in. That doesn't happen in other places. Regular teenage guys, well-dressed, you know. So I just basically walked the streets, uh, talked to people, took pictures. I, I just don't know the comparison. It looks like no ghetto I've ever seen in America. I thought it was like East St. Louis or Desire or, or, or Yonkers School Street or, uh, you know, old school Bed-Stuy, Hunts Point, Alphabet City in the old days, Detroit, uh, New Jack City and uh, Car Jack City in Jersey, Jersey City. You know, I've been to all those places. They're regular, you know, urban. I don't know. I hate using the word ghetto. I don't know what the hell to call them. East Newark is not even a ghetto. That needs a new term. But bad neighborhoods, I guess. Cry, high impact crime neighborhoods. I don't know what the euphemism is. But I've when? been to all those places. This is nothing like I've ever seen before. I, some places have a little bit of blight. This is block after block after block of not just blight, but horrible blight. I mean, horrible. What makes this blight so horrible? Because it's disgusting. It's rats and broken down wooden hovels and cars that are destroyed and garbage is everywhere. Everywhere is garbage strewn, strewn everywhere. And there's like tons of these pits and landfills and every, every atlas recycle, environmental recycle, everything recycled. The euphemism for this is dirty crap. When you got out of the subway, where did you go? I had specific places in mind. I went to, I wanted to see uh, Gersh, I'll say the name, Gershaw, G-E-R-S-H-O-W, Gershaw, Gershaw Recycling. I read a ton about it. It seems like a uh, problematic place. So I was planning to go there, but when I was on the train, it's elevated, and I looked out the window, I said, oh my God, what the hell is that? It was like, you know, a rack again, and I saw Gershaw Recycling, I said, oh my God, it's like, acres and acres of like I can't it's not even like a junkyard it's like ah, this is a disgusting industrial hell so I saw it from the train so that's the first place I headed and I was taking pictures of it through the gate and then uh you know I had streets in mind that I was writing about so I was going to the different different streets uh, I went to uh, the housing projects because I wanted to see what they were doing with the they said this is new policy I saw fire engines zooming by. I followed them. The fire engine, two ladder trucks, they pull into the projects on, on like the sidewalks. You know, it's crazy. It's like tanks in the army, man. That's what they did in, when I was in the army. Tanks, they go over farms. It's just two giant ladder trucks roll up into the projects. And I, I, it wasn't even a fire. I was hanging out there to see what was a while, and then they just pulled away. So, Tell us about the spotlight. Yeah, okay, that's... so this, this is new. Uh, it wasn't there the last time I was there. I think it's in response to uh, lighting problems and housing projects. Anyway, I, I, I went there, and this first time I walked through the project, I saw this gigantic, it looks like a, I don't know what, like a spotlight from, from a prison, like old prison movies when they put those spotlights on. It was a giant thing. And I said, what the hell is that? So I started walking over. I'm maybe like, a, I don't know, 100 feet away. I had, I had to shield my eyes. It was so blinding. So I walked up to it with my hand over my forehead and I walked up to it. It's just like, it's got four wheels. It's about, uh, it looks like a big giant lawnmower and it's a generator, extremely loud. It reminded me of Afghanistan. It was loud as hell. And it had 1,250 watt bulbs. There were poles like um, maybe 10 feet high 
And at the top of those poles were four separate lights, each one 1,250 watts. Bright. I've heard people complain about them. They can't sleep. They're blinding. You can't walk. And they're in like four or five projects. You can't walk past. You can't even walk in the area without shielding your eyes. I mean, 1,250 watts, four of them. You know, it's interesting. As you describe this, it's almost like, forgive me, a metaphor for East New York. Here is a, there's a problem in that the housing projects are not safe. Mm -hmm. So here's a solution, and the solution causes problems in and of itself, yeah. right? People can't sleep. They feel like, you know, it's a war zone. It's, I mean, I was in Afghanistan. Now, those generators, they're on constantly. It drives you crazy. I hear you talking and talk, but straight walking the walk. Let me show you how we ride on the east of New York. See, there's no peace in the east. The only peace is the heat. You keep between your sheets or underneath the crease of your jeans. Don't really be caring. They be planning to go bust shots. Catch you and your mans and why they standing at the bus stop. That's why you must watch everyone you talk to. Every black and cool avenue that you may walk through. I'm trying to warn you. Cause what you gonna do when them sticker boys get you for everything that's on you? Absolutely not. You better pray to Allah that they don't get the blacker blacker or say bada mama. Seeing these streets. There's a lot of drama And there's a lot of baby mamas That ain't got a dollar nor father So tell me if you willing to ride Cause I show you how to survive Take a drive on the east side of the The same streets my people die All the streets that bring my people to life I'm talking about Report, Reporting from the streets of peace New York You chase for your chains and change My phone died Taking pictures So I went into a bodega Every, There's nothing open after 9 o'clock Except bodegas in the whole east New York Nothing so I went to a bodega and you know spoke you know basic Spanish and asked if like they could charge. This is a heavy request. Charge my phone and I said I'll pay you. I, I'll use a credit card, buy some for ten dollars. They were so cool. They said nah, they did it for free. And I ended up talking with uh, the owner, the manager about East New York, about politics for like 30, 40 minutes, and they charged my phone for me. And then there was a, a I guess a home, a real panhandler type guy standing in the store. They let him stay in the store. He had a cup. And he would open the door for everybody. For tips. And, yeah, but I never saw that allowed in any store, inside a store. I never saw, they let him. And everyone said thank you to him. It never happens in New York City. Everyone, every single person could, a little girl, 10-year-old girl, so t this bearded, scraggly owner that opens the door, she said, thank you. It's really, uh, that's touching, man. And they've charged my phone. That's a big imposition, you know, coming in and charging my phone. And then I just started walking. Just, you know, walking just down block after block after block. The only, only time I smoke is when I'm East New York, and it feels like I'm 16 again. It's thought of now smoking now is disgusting to me, but when I'm there, I carry them, and I just smoke them, and it feels so natural. How come? What the, <laughs> place like that, you know, you smoke. You have to, I don't know, I, you have to you smoke because that's what it, it's like. I don't know. Maybe it's something close to People who who go to bars and they smoke, if they haven't smoked for years, as soon as they take a first drink, they feel like lighting up. Maybe some the environment, something about East New York, like lends itself. You know, I was smoking. I, I carry them to give out too, but I was smoking them on my own. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I'm not sure why. It just it's an environmental thing. Going, it's like you're comfortable. Or. No, at home kind of thing. No, because smoking is disgusting and bad. It's, but you smoke when you're there. It's sort of like... It's not for comfort. It's more No, like, but it's more like what then? I don't know how to explain it. Are people surprised when they find out you want to know about East New York? No. They're eager to talk. 
No one ever says I don't. Because I, I'm not asking stupid questions. I know, like, you know, it's like I live there, you know. I don't, but, you know, I know it so well. What so. would a stupid question be? What is East New York like? Is it dangerous here? What do you ask them? I don't. I just have conversations. How long you live here? Has it changed over thing? Or it's, you know, I just, you know, talk. I, I talk like if I was buying a house there, if I want to know, you know, normal. I'm not asking... I'm not asking for quotes. I'm asking to, uh, to understand. I'm not trying to, if I work for a daily paper, I would be asking to get quotes. I, I don't care about quotes. I want to get a feel. I want to understand the place. This notion that Kevin wouldn't be relying on characters at all in a piece this long, with this much detail, it struck his editors as kind of odd. Look, people, it is, sort of understood that people want to read stories about people. Who says that? That's right. Pick a character, write a thing about that. It never rings true because one person never represents the whole neighborhood. I don't like doing those pieces. People in East New York reading this will recognize this, rec- this will hit them and they'll recognize and they'll feel this more than if they saw three portraits of uh, Johnny and Steve and Susan who's homeless. You know, I don't need to do that for this piece. It's, 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 it's superfluous and no, no. it'll detract. I'm asking rhetorically, but why will it detract? Because if I'm going to talk to them, why am I talking to them in journals? I'm looking for quotes, right? Let's be honest. I'm looking for quotes, right? Well, you're looking for characters. You're looking for characters to fill up a narrative. Okay. To so be more generous about it. I've got like, what, 10,000 words here about East New York? Do I put one character in there in a paragraph? Do I take five? I mean, all this stuff is from talking to people. No, it, It's just layered. I mean, no. what do you what, think I got no, this no. from? I talked to thousands of people. You're missing my point. This is not about why didn't you do this? That's what we both, I mean, this is interesting. So stay with me. East New York is about trying to unravel a mystery. And the mystery in the specifically of East New York is this, how could something so bad be living existing in plain sight for all the world to see, and it's chaos. Now it's outrage. First it was mystery. Now I'm outraged. Yeah, you really are outraged. Because I'm outraged not at him or you, not at anybody per person. I'm outraged that this exists in New York City. I'm outraged when I see eyewitness news reporter go into uh, East Harlem and stand up. It's a killing zone out here. I was like, you crazy. Go to East New York. Bullshit. They're wrong. Fine, they said. Do it your way. The story might be better for it at the end, but you need to understand that personal situations and personal stories can bring a place to life. They can say all the statistics you've been repeating without saying them at all. Upon pressing, Kevin admitted that he did have a couple stories he'd gathered from people that he talked to in East New York. One of them, in particular, stood out. Now you want me to do it? Sure. Okay, here we go. Here's people. One mother I met on the street, down a really sketchy street with a wheelchair guy in a bad shape. I talked to her for a long time. Her 10-year-old daughter got shot in the face. She was shot because an 18-year-old gang member perched on top of a roof on Pitkin Avenue, a famous place, with an automatic pistol, and he started firing 12 shots at a rival crew. Right now, he's uh, doing 55 years upstate. But this crew, it happened to be near an elementary school. 
PS 298, broad daylight, school was letting out. There was a 30-year-old pregnant woman who was picking her own son up from that school. This woman, pregnant, threw herself over a bunch of children to protect them from the shots were coming. As she did so, she was shot to death. That woman's name, who a cop didn't give a shit about and made fun of, was Zurana Horton, Z-U-R-A-N-A, H-O-R-T-O-N. She, pregnant woman gave up her life saving her. Another woman picking up her child was also shot in the arm and chest. The 10-year-old girl's name is C-H-E-A-N-N-E, Shean. Her upset mother, who I met on the street, said her daughter has been troubled since the shooting, especially about going to school. And she asked me for help. And she was in a shelter. And she was, I didn't want to say this, but she's struggling and they're treating her like shit in a shelter. So that, that, that's a person. That's, that's the three people. Four people. Okay. Kevin left the meeting shortly after telling that story and wasn't heard from again by anyone for months. This podcast is presented by Dig and The Big Roundtable. It's produced by me, Alexander Abnos, with help from Anna Hyatt. Now, there's a written component to this podcast, too. It's Kevin's story about East New York. You can find it at dig.com, along with some great photos by Anna Hyatt and some really cool data visualizations. The theme song and other music for this podcast is by Jim Oker, with a little bit by me as well. In this episode, there's also a clip from the song East New York by Big Biz. The Big Roundtable publishes ambitious narrative nonfiction. You can find them at thebigroundtable.com. Its staff, founder Michael Shapiro, editor Mike Hoyt, senior editor Sissy Falagant, and publisher Anna Hyatt. Writers on the site are paid by reader contributions alone, so if you go there and you like what you read, please donate as you see fit. Dig curates what the internet is talking about right now. This entire project would not have happened without them, so thank you to Dig, and thanks to you for listening.